I used to get annoyed when I'd read a book where it was all beautiful and everybody is falling in love and everybody, because that's not New York either. Like you want, you want some of that because you do want the magic of New York, but unless that's what the book is really about, it's just like, come on, like that's not, it's not real. When I read the blurb to Meredith Shore's book, As Seen on TV, I was obsessed. Gilmore Girls is my repeat rewatch TV show. I'm now on my umpteenth rewatch right now. And her blurb was Gilmore Girls meets Hallmark, but the story kind of takes Hallmark's big city girl charmed by small town trope and brilliantly turns it on its head. In this episode, Meredith and I chat about writing big city settings how she writes a high steam level but eschews the naughty words, and how pop culture informs her fiction. And it wouldn't be steam scenes without a naughty bit. I read a steamy excerpt from her book. It is her debut book, as seen on TV. But before we get to the interview, just a quick reminder to rate and review this podcast and recommend it to a friend. Let's all grow together. Now on to my chat with Meredith Shore. A born and bred New Yorker and lifelong daydreamer, Meredith, Meredith Shore fueled her passion for writing everything from restaurant reviews, original birthday cards, and even work-related emails into a career penning romantic comedies. When she's not writing books filled with grand gestures and hard-earned happily ever afters or working as a trademark paralegal, she's most often reading, running, or watching TV for research. Of course. Her trade paperback debut, as seen on TV, <clears throat> released on June 7th, 2022 from Grand Central Publishing Forever, and was chosen by USA Today and Book Riot as one of the top romances of June, which is very well done, very well earned. Congratulations. Welcome thank, to Steam Scenes. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. I'm super excited to have you. Um, I'm kind of obsessed with your book. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> so I'm obsessed with your book. I love the premise. I absolutely love the premise, um, particularly because you've called it uh, Gilmore Girls. Uh, Hallmark Channel meets Gilmore Girls. I like Gilmore Girls is like one of my favorite shows ever. And I was actually rewatching episodes last night. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what what made you decide to sort of blend the two of them? I actually did not do that on purpose. The premise was really just subverted Hallmark tropes, like you take the small town tropes that readers and people who watch Hallmark movies have come to expect and like turn them on their heads, like the friendly townspeople and the people that, you know, that the evil real estate developer, the cozy festivals. Um, the, so basically, I just wanted a small town that was the opposite of that. And I never didn't go into it even thinking about Gilmore Girls. It was authors who blurbed my book and my publisher who thought who thought it had like Gilmore Girls vibes and it oh, wasn't that's... you know it wasn't until later with the with the quirky townspeople and the mother-daughter relationship that is very very close I okay. could see it okay so is this is Adina is your main character and did I spell it did I say her name right yes she Addie? did okay mm -hmm. so is is she going home to Pleasant Hollow from New York City. Is that her hometown or is she just kind of there? No, she is a lifelong Manhattanite who is fed up with city life. And she is like obsessed with Hallmark movies and Gilmore Girls and small towns in general. And she thinks that her life would be so much more simple, so much simpler if she lived in a small town. She thinks, you know, that she thinks that she'd be more 
far, far along in her career as a journalist instead of uh, juggling two other jobs. She thinks she'd be in a committed relationship, probably with her high school sweetheart, um, instead of being ghosted and frustrated with dating apps. So she has this opportunity to go to a small town to write the story that she thinks is going to ch- like make her career. This is going to change her world, right? Yes. Oh my God, yes. this is so great. I'm like, the, even like the, like, I'm, I'm like, okay, your blurb is great, but it doesn't do this book justice. Cause oh. now I'm like even more obsessed. <laughs> I'll have to send you a copy. Oh book. my God. Thank you so much. I'm dying. Like, like, like now I'm like, I totally get why this was chosen as like top romance of June by like book riot. They're so hard over there. Book riot. I always like look at their emails. I'm like, God, they hate everything. Yeah, but <laughs> I was thrilled. To just oh, be noticed. Amazing. That's amazing. But yeah, she pitches a story about this town that she hears is underdeveloped by, development by like this huge real estate conglomerate. And her mind automatically goes to Hallmark movies where there's always a real estate developer coming in to like to change the whole town. And the townspeople are like up in arms and how dare this evil guy come and change our wonderful town. And so she pitches the story as a real life small town living out a Hallmark movie sub like plot line. Only when she arrives in the small town, she discovers it's like nothing like what she's used to from Gilmore Girls, from small, you know, from Hallmark movies. The people aren't friendly. There's no festivals every week. There's no cozy cafe. People don't care about the real estate developer. Meanwhile, she's here and she has all these stakes that, you know, she needs to write the story. And there really isn't the story that she pitched is just not there. That is um, where did you come up with this are you a huge okay uh, backtrack are you a big uh, hallmark movie person i i am i mean i i i watch them i love them i also kind of make fun of them a lot but <laughs> but i do but i love them and i know them so well that it was really easy for me to write this book you know that like just gets it backwards and it was so that was my initial premise i was with some friends in california and we just started talking about like the tropes and the predictable formula. And how funny it would be if this person who like was kind of obsessed with them goes to a small town and at every turn where she thinks it's going to play out like a Hallmark movie, it doesn't like, you know, instead of sitting on the train next to like the cute, but kind of grumpy age appropriate person who she (laughs) fights with, but then eventually, you know, meets up with later and realizes that she's in love with. It's kind of like a 90 year old man who's like snoring on her or some horrible (laughs) child, you know, like it's just, she, you know, she goes to the inn or she expects it to be like beautiful with like a really kind, outgoing, friendly lady. And it ends up like cobwebs and gated windows and everything. And so, and we were just being really exaggerated. We kind of turned it into a thriller at the time. And I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. We just thought it'd be really funny. And then like years later, I was talking to my agent and trying to come up with the, the next book to write. And I, I gave her this pitch and she was like, that's brilliant. We have to do that. And it so, is brilliant. Actually. Thank you. Thank it you. Is, this premise is absolutely like blowing my mind how brilliant it is. Thank you. Somebody's going to make this a movie. Uh, I hope so. Nothing happening yet, but I, I, I was going to say, is it being pitched? You should, you should absolutely be pitching this. It was actually, I mean, it, the book was pitched to film agents um, when it was first announced, and nobody bought. You know, nobody bought. Like it was Maybe they're maybe they're afraid of touching that Hallmark formula, right? Because I mean, obviously. Hallmark's got it right. Yeah. And subverting the formula, maybe people are afraid to. Yeah. 
I don't know, but I, I mean, know. it could still happen. It could happen ten years from now. I know it's movie, film, and TV is so slow. Yeah, so I haven't given up hope, but right now, sadly, I don't have any news on that front. Okay, well, we'll <laughs> I'll be the first to report it as soon as you know. Um, <laughs> no, I don't do breaking news on this podcast. I wish I did. I wish I did. That would be great. That would be. You could always lose my it. day job. <laughs> Oh, God, don't we all wish we could do that? Oh, right. I know you're in your day job. You still have your day job. Yes. Um, I still have my day job or my multiples. I, I'm, I'm a bit like Addie. Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a journalist. so. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a journalist in a small town right now. And actually, I'm working like three survival jobs. So. <laughs> yeah. That's her. She's a spin instructor. She's a barista at a coffee shop. And she pitches like freelance Oh, she's freelance. I'm, I'm yeah. part-time staff. I need to, and then I'm, I'm freelance, and then I'm freelance for play. It's, it's just crazy trying to cobble together the writing career, you know? It's like... I know. And, and Adina is very inexperienced. And I, I have gotten some reviews where they're like, she's a horrible journalist. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, it really hurts my feelings. Like she never really had anything besides kind of like writing articles and things like that. And she did plenty of research before she went... You know, but she, there's, it's not like you can look up a town and there's going to be a sign that says not like a Hallmark town. So she, she was like, this town is only has like 2000 people and there's a real estate developer and there's this coffee shop and a diner and a brewery that's been around for like, that's, you know, run by two brothers. And it sounded like picturesque to her. And then she gets there and how is she to know that nobody would care about the real estate developer coming in? So I get a little like hurt on her behalf when people are like, how did she not know that? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of find that really amazing that people are like, she's a terrible journalist. Like, do, like, are you a journalist? Do you know? Like, I know. I mean, <laughs> do you know what it, like, do you, like you don't like, honestly, if somebody saw me doing the reporting, they would be like, Oh, she's a terrible <laughs> journalist. Because it's like, you know, when you go into a story, you really don't know. And that's the reporting. That's the point of reporting it is that that's when you learn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So she's oh, not a you. terrible journalist. She's <laughs> not. <laughs> and this is from somebody who's doing the job. So no, she's not. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> oh my God. So um, you are not, however, a journalist. And so I'm curious, when did you get the writing bug? When did you decide that this was what you wanted to do? I was about like 30. I mean, I, I, did not really think about of myself as like a writer at all. In fact, when I was younger, my sister, I'm the youngest of three and I was very spoiled and my sisters would kind of like write my speeches for me or do things for me that I didn't feel like doing myself. So oh. my sister wrote like my bat mitzvah speech and everything. So <laughs> and here. you're outsourcing at a very young age. Yeah. Hey, she offered, you know, <laughs> I love it. So, I was about 30 and I was starting get, to get complimented at work at my day job about how well I crafted just emails to clients, taking like legal speak and making it, you know, easy to understand. And my boss would kind of give me reports that the attorneys wrote and have me edit them. And, and I don't, oh. when I'm, when somebody tells me I'm good at something, it just makes me want to do that more often. So okay. suddenly I wanted to write like everything. I joined like Yelp and I was like a Yelp elite reviewer of restaurants and bars. Oh my God. You know, I was reviewing on books on Amazon. I was like writing like birthday poems for people. And then I took a, 
a, um, a workshop at the Gotham Writers Workshop for. Oh yeah, I know Gotham Writers, of course. Yeah, Taken Two, and the first one was like just a fiction, like short stories, and I wrote like a middle grade kind of story, and it was okay, but it really wasn't my calling, and okay. I put that aside, and I joined this like anonymous blogging site. This is like more than ten years ago, probably, and I started. Uh, blogging about my dating experiences anonymously and a lot of people like really enjoyed it like single girl in New York City dating disasters you know and I would add a little some depth to them with my family and things like that and I and I noticed that I was getting a lot of followers and then one day I was on my way to my day job at the time and I started daydreaming about this relationship that had just ended and I was really torn up about it I I still you know liked the, the guy and yeah. in my mind, I just kind of told myself an alternate story. I daydream a lot. Like I have like this very strong like fantasy life. Like if I'm in a long car ride, I just kind of like yeah, zone stories out. in my head. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. same, same, same. I used to get in trouble when I was a kid at school because I would always be off someplace else. Yeah, in my head. I mean yeah. that's the sign of a writer, I guess. And that that day on my way to work, it just kind of hit me. Okay, I love to write. I have good technical skills, clearly, and I have this crazy imagination. Why not take, combine them and like write a romance? And I started writing one that day and I never looked back. And it's a really great outlet wow. for my daydreaming life because now these imagine, like imaginary people, I kind of just, I create and write books about them. And was it always going to be romance? Like, I know, like you had mentioned when you were talking with your friends about twisting the Hallmark trope, you were like, it was a thriller. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just like, that's yeah. great. <laughs> like, that's Lifetime. Yes, um, yes <laughs> not Hallmark, Lifetime. <laughs> I mean, so was it always romance for you? It was, I don't know if you remember the term uh, chiclet. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, yeah. it was more chiclet. It, so it was more just her POV, just dealing with like life and love and career and everything. It started off that way. And there was, but there was always a romance at the heart of it. Right. But it just kind of morphed into being more heavily on the romance and, and less, she's not a klutz anymore. That was always very popular. She was always yeah. making a mess and spilling things and falling and very into clothes. So that like that, it kind of like deepened from there. But yeah, it started off as chiclet because I would, actually I tried to write like a real contemporary romance and somebody like would fart or just do something really silly. And I was like, no, like I, I think that I need to write like rom-com yeah. because they're always going to, there's always going to be some bizarre circumstance or situation that my, that my characters are getting into. And, and so that's how it, it morphed from, I guess from chiclet to then I tried contemporary romance to rom-com. That is wild. Now, do you, were you a romance reader or, or, or were you kind of all over the map with what you were reading? I read, I read a lot of chiclet actually. That was like okay, my so thing. Okay, so that's where you were reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's your favorite one? My, f- I loved Marion Keys back in the day, mm. like Rachel's Holiday and Sushi for Beginners and Last Chance Saloon. I can't even. And then was Emily Giffen Something Borrowed was one of my favorites. Oh, wow. God, I remember when that came. Yeah, out. I, I, mean, I read all Bridget Jones's Diary, The Devil Wears Prada. I love Bridget. Yeah, I love Bridget. I mean, I, yeah. I read all of them. But I, but I read everything. I, and I do read thrillers. I'm very light and dark. I, <laughs> I my best friend is a thriller author. And so I've, be, I've met a lot of her author friends and colleagues and everything. And I, I really like them. And I'm like that with television too. Like I either want like really fun, like Heart of Dixie, Gilmore Girls, you know, Escape. Or I want like Ozark and Breaking Bad, 
you know, where people <laughs> are like shooting each other and everything. Like I, I just, I like, I like the, the extremes. Oh sure. my God. That's man. I better call Saul. That's like my obsession right now. I love that show. I actually, I had started it and I gave up and then I started it again and I gave up and I'm start and I'm starting it again because I'm on the fourth season on Netflix. Um, and everybody keeps saying like it's ending soon and it's so good. And I do like it. I just find it very slow. I have to fast forward some scenes because I think, really? it's, I think it's the direction, you know, some of the really? scenes, like I love the stuff between Saul and Kimberly. Yeah, that's great. I, I, that stuff is great. Yeah, I don't love all the other stuff because I don't always get it. And I know that it's all going to be connected somehow. And some of it is like from Breaking Bad, you know, same yes. characters and it's like a prequel. Yeah. So I try to focus on it. But I'm again, it's like I like the, the love stuff, too. Like I just I'm like dying to know whether Kim and him are going to like break up. But Jimmy, you know, Jane, Jimmy, right? Jimmy, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like whether they're yeah. going to last right now. There is the fourth season, and they're not doing that well. They're not doing well in season four. No, I, I get yeah, like no, I completely understand. Like I love their dynamic. Um, their dynamic is fantastic, and um, is definitely like a big reason to watch. Yeah. Um, but no, I love that. It's like I love that show, and I, I'm also a huge like I read a lot of like police stuff. Like Bosch mm -hmm. is like one of my favorite. Um, and Lincoln Lawyer, I absolutely love Michael Connelly's writing. So it's, I don't know, I just think it's really funny how like, you know, sort of like we both gravitate towards like, like really dark things. Yes. <laughs> or we're like, kill more girls. <laughs> like, woo! I, th I think that you need once, especially when I was writing a scene on TV, it was so much like Hallmark in small towns. I'm like, get me the hell out of a small town. Oh. Like, just throw me in a really crowded, smelly city, please. Because I, and I was in one, but it was also the pandemic. So I wasn't really going anywhere and it wasn't crowded because nobody was here. Um, yeah. Oh, so you wrote this over the pandemic. Yes. I wrote, I had written like half of the first draft by March. Wow. And, that, and then I wrote like the rest. And I mean, it sold in August of 2022 or July of 2022. It's just, I mean, 2020. It was just. A, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, was real, that never like, They released that so fast. That doesn't, that never happens. No, it never does. So I was, I, okay. yeah, that was my mistake. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it was two years, which is actually a very long time. That's usually wait. what happens with, yeah, with, with, um, with the pub houses, it just takes forever. Yeah. It really does. It really takes a long time, but I'm kind of, I mean, from writing to, you know, to deal, it sounds like it was very quick. You know what? I had gone on sub with the first book that got me my agent and it didn't sell. And so I was extremely motivated and I was also bored out of my mind. I was working from home. You know, I had no friends around or like there was nothing to do. And so right. I would wake up and I would write. I would write at yeah. lunch. I would write after work. I would write on the weekends. And it was also an escape because it was scary. I, I miss, I was afraid I was never, there was a time I was like, I'm never going to see my parents again because I can't go there and, you know, put their lives in danger. And, right. you know, when people wouldn't see that elderly people in their lives for so long. And, and yeah. I, I was just really sad. And I have friends like all over the country and we would do like virtual happy hours and things like that for a while. Right. Right. And this book was just, it was a delight to write it because it was just right. happy for the most part. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So because of that, it, it, it ended up being really, really quick. Plus I really, once I found out that the book, look, we had gone through all the editors and it wasn't selling, I wanted to get the next one right out on sub as quickly as possible because it's that waiting time, that period. It's right. just, 
makes me really sad, but I have no idea what's going on. So, so how come you decided to go the trad route instead of the indie route? I don't, first of all, I'm not a good marketer. I, I love engaging with readers, but I don't like having to pay attention to algorithms and keywords and, and all yeah. those things and constantly being on top of them. And they change all the time. And I'm friends with a lot of people who are brilliant at it, who I'm sure sell more than I do. But I just, I have no desire. And I don't want to, I didn't want to do another a small publisher because at this point, I, I don't think I will ever write a book unless I am paid for it. Okay. I mean, I'm saying that. No, now. I mean, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I just find when, when you're paid for it, like I, I published a bunch with a small press and they didn't, they, I, I didn't have to pay them or anything, but they had no investment. They paid yeah. editors. God knows how little they probably paid them. There was some cover art, but they really had so little invested in it that whatever I took in, they took, I took, they, like it was like, doesn't do well, eh. you know, but when a publisher, yeah. you know, puts down a nice chunk of money on you, they, they're more likely, I think, to actually put some weight behind it. Yeah, they're invested in, yeah, like that, that was my experience with a small publisher. Um, you know, I got a tiny advance, um, but it was really, the editing was terrible, I was so unhappy with the editing and I just, you know, it just wasn't for me. And I was like, and you know, for me, I went the opposite mm -hmm. and I was like, I just want to control what I'm doing. Yeah. I want yeah. complete control. I'm not leaving this in somebody else's hands. And I, respect that. Um, I mean, it was a great experience, but it just was like, Oh no. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to give up control. I mean, I, with my small uh, publisher, my editor was actually amazing. Like I, I loved her. It was just everything else, you know, there was just everything yeah, else was didn't yeah. put any put anything into it. And you work so hard and then, you know, and then it goes out in the world and it's like there's only so much I can do. And, and in fact, when those books were out, that's when more people were self-publishing and doing it so well. So there was a lot of books out that way. And then New York was suddenly publishing a lot of rom-com. So you take mm. the people with the big publishers behind them. And then you take the people who can price the books however they want, and they're just really good. There's just no way for these small press books that have no control of you know themselves to kind of stand out. Yeah. And, and that's what my experience was. And it was like, yeah, I just spent absolutely. so much time and put so much heart and sweat into these books that I just, and my initial, when I first started publishing, I really did want a traditional deal. It was just at the time they were like, Chicklet is dead. And like agents wouldn't even ask for pages. And then I had some success at first with, um, with the small press. I did really well for a couple of books. And then it just got less and less and less. And that's because I believe, you know, indie publishing became bigger. New York started publishing and it just, it was way too hard. Now, did, is the, are the, through the indie press, is that how you got your agent or did your agent come first? No, I... When I couldn't get an agent, I went through the indie press. Okay. And then I okay. and then I was like, you know what? My next book, I don't care how long it takes. I'm getting an agent. And it didn't, you know, I wasn't in the query trenches for very long. Thankfully, I didn't have that like awful, you know, you know, three years, four hundred queries. Yeah. So I got lucky that way, and I love my agent. But I did go through the horrible. The book doesn't sell, and she, you know she said, do you want to go to smaller presses? And she threw out a couple and I said, no. And she didn't want, and she mm. said, I'm like, I didn't go to you to do exactly what I was doing before. And she said, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think it's going, she's like, I think it's a good start for, for, for authors. There's nothing wrong with it. But when you've already done that for a handful of times and you're trying to move the needle, 
it's not going to serve your career to do it again. It's just going to keep it the same exact way it was before. And I said, and right. so we both agreed to shelve that book. And, you know, the, the rejections that I got for editors was nothing about how the book wasn't good or wasn't fun. It was mostly that the premise was just didn't stand out. It wasn't a big enough hook. And we both, okay. we both agreed that a scene on TV was much, was a much bigger hook. Yeah, it was, it's, it's hookier. So, I mean, I think like for people who are listening, who might want to go the trad route and like, let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, people are always like, oh, well, if I, if you go, if you, if you, you know, if you publish indie, right, you have to quote unquote, write to market, but it's kind of the same when you're going to trad, like you said, like you need the hook and like, that's a, you're still writing to market. It's just a very different market that you're writing to. Yes. Yeah. I I think there, I think there's an assumption that you're going to have more freedom to write what you want. Um, because of marketability, whereas I feel like indie, like you actually do have a little bit more freedom. I would imagine so. You know, because you can, you can write what you want, but it doesn't mean it's going to sell. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's but true. you can. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, but but that's really fascinating, and I love that you sort of brought up the you know the fact that you, they said it wasn't hooky enough, and then you were like, okay, well let's focus on this. Yes. And I'm glad I did. And the, now, and yeah. now, when I'm coming up with new premises, it's like it's just I was so tortured by not selling. And now, and in hindsight, I'm glad that book wasn't the one that came out. But I'm so like tortured by that not big enough. Not that when I come up with a new premise, it's like is it big enough? And I picture it as an announcement in publishers' marketplace place. And I'm like, would I would that is what this book is about? Be a good publishers' marketplace announcement that people would get excited about. And I <sighs> and I actually like I think it. about that. I love it. I actually think that that's actually like a really great tip for everybody, myself included, (laughs) because I've been trying to be like, okay, like my books sell well, they don't sell as well as I'd like them to. So what do I, what do I need to do? And I think that my hook is not good enough. My hooks just aren't strong enough. Hmm. And I think that that's such a good idea. Like if I was, if, if it was going in publishers marketplace, what would what what would it say? And I'm like I'm like oh that's that's actually a really great way to yeah think because about a lot it. of people are like oh it's grumpy sunshine or it's you know um, enemies to lovers and I'm like yes but there are eight million of those what makes this one what is the twist you know that that right. makes this one stand out and right. I feel like especially right. for debuts you really need that yeah I would absolutely agree with that c- completely so. Now, were you always writing explicit sex in your book? Or, or I should say, I don't know that your stuff is no, explicit. Well, the scene that you sent me is not terribly explicit. Okay. Um, <laughs> how do we explain what you're writing? I, I, always, I have on my website, like, charming romantic com- com- uh, comedies with a splash of heat. Because it's always on the page. But I don't, it's not graphic. Yes. Like, I'm trying, as I keep writing, I'm finding my own style. Right. And right. So yeah. <laughs> what what do you gravit when you read? What are you gravitating towards when you read? When I'm reading romance, I don't care if it's um, I don't care if it's fade to black. I don't care if it's super super steamy. When I'm reading it, as long as the book is good, I don't really care. To be honest, okay. With you. Like I'm not. I don't read books for the sex. I enjoy them for the sex. You know, that's another part of them that I enjoy. But I don't read them. That's not my first you know, thing that I look for when I'm reading. Okay. So 
when it came to determining for you if whether you were going to close the door or write really steamy or like, where did you find, where did you decide your, how did you come to where your sweet spot is? How did you decide what your sweet spot I is? I think it just kind of came to me naturally as I was writing. Okay. Um, I feel like I wanted it to go with the tone of my voice and the character. Mm. And I just didn't see me suddenly going like clit and cock and this and that. Like I could say those words, right? I mean, this is a sad. Oh my God. You go. Oh, we are so salty. Yes. Oh no, no, no. You can say whatever you want. It didn't really feel natural to me. And so what I do is instead of really focusing on what body part goes where very, very, you know, deeply, I pretty Mm -hmm. much get in my character's head. What are they thinking right now? And I also have like dialogue and it really depends on where in the relationship they are. You know, like at the beginning of the relationship, if they've never been together before and they don't, you know, then there might be some awkwardness or if they're going in and they really, really like each other, then there might be like, does he like me? Does he like this? Or if you, you don't have any feelings yet and you're just kind of doing it for your own pleasure as it was, as was the scene that I sent you, she doesn't have any feelings for this guy yet. She thinks he's hot, but she's had a really bad day. She just wants to release some tension. So she's really in it for her own pleasure. She wants to give, she wants to receive, but she's not thinking, oh my God, I hope I'm not bad. So this guy wants to see me again, or I hope he's not like checking out my body and thinking it looks horrible. Like she's really like, make me feel good. And I'll make you feel good. So really, I try to get into my character's oh. head where they are at the moment in terms of themselves and what they want out of the, out of the situation, out of the sex, right. and how they feel right. about their partner. I actually love this because I think you are the first person I've had on the podcast who has said, this scene is strictly about her pleasure. It's not about falling in love. It's not about bringing them together. It's not about their relationship. It is about her needing a release and having that sexual attraction to him and being like, yes, I need this. And I love that. Thank you. I mean, I actually just realized that last night when I was reading, you know, when I was trying to prep this, I've never talked about specifically about my sex scenes before. And I was trying to think about like, where was Adina at this moment when she knocked on Finn's door because she's the one who goes Mm -hmm. to him. And that's exactly where she was. She had a really crappy day and she just wanted to feel good. I think that not enough. I I don't think we talk about women's pleasure enough in terms of separating it from love and just being like, it is okay to want to have an orgasm. It is okay to want to have sex because it's fun and it feels good and it's, you know, and it's right. You don't need to fall in love. Absolutely not. I, I think that's such a powerful message. And I think that we're terrible at getting that message out there. I do think it's gotten better. I think um, I've read a lot of books recently where like I just read uh, The Hookup Plan by Farah Rashon, And it okay. just came out like Tuesday, I think. And it's like a... It's a enemies to lovers, but only enemies in her mind. This is like her high school rival, but only, only a oh, rival wow. in her mind. But she's really stressed out. Her doctor, she has like some health issues and her doctor's like, you need some self-care. She's like, I know how I can get some self-care. She's like, I hate this guy. He like made my high school like miserable, although we really didn't, but you have to read the book. So, <laughs> so she's like, we're not having, he's like, she's like we're not having a relationship, but you are gorgeous. You have a great 
dick, you know, and this is what, this is why we're doing this. And it's, it's like, and she's not faking it. I mean, she's, she's not just saying that to sound cool. She truly feels that way at the beginning of the book. And then of course, the more time they spend together, the more she's like, oh no, I actually really like this guy. But it starts off all about, she just, she was self-care, sex, sex, uh, self-care through sex. And oh my God. With no apologies. I am totally looking this up. Do you know this author personally? She writes, she is the same editor as me, which is how I got like an early copy of the book. And she actually blurbed a scene on TV, which delighted me to no end because she's a, I love her books. Because I am like, now I'm officially obsessed with having her on this podcast. So if you do know her. Yeah, I don't really know her personally. I just. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to give it a shot, guys. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Usually when I reach out to people, they're like, I'm not talking to you. Why not? They should. I'm I'm here to tell you it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you. I don't know. Whenever I approach people that like, I'm like, oh, would you like to? They're like, they either don't get back to me or they're like, yeah, no thanks. Oh, no. Like, oh, I wish more people Sorry. would approach me and say, would you want to do this? Would you want to come on this? Because, you know, what, like right before the book comes out and like right after you're like, my experience was like, I had so many things going on. I'm like, oh my God, I have no time. I have to take time off from work and I'm so stressed to leave me alone. And then before you know it, you're like, somebody call me, please. Cause it's like, it's like, it's dried up. And every time I get tagged in something, I'm doing a happy dance, you know, and cartwheels. So, um, yeah, like it's just, it becomes a lot harder to book things. So I, I, my publisher was great in getting me on things, but you know, then an, another book comes out that they have to deal with and they're still, right. you know, they slowly do things for me still, but it's really, you know, the weeks before the weeks after when it, when it's really them doing it. And now, and then right. now it's like me. And so I, I found you. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you did. Cause like I said, I'm completely obsessed with your book. Like I'm just a lot like, of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I don't mean that in a pressure way. I loved your scene. I love the premise. Um, I love that it's set in New York. Um, you know, I think that hilariously, I, you know, I, I want to do, t- I do want to talk about this a little bit. We, we went right to the book, <laughs> so. Um, the location, right? Location can be such a character when you're, especially when you're talking about small town and New York City. Like I saw a lot of your books, are, obviously this is set in a small town. Your other books were set in New York City. And I think that we don't think about that enough as like how location factors in. Um I write about, um, my, my books are set in Los Angeles of all mm. places. And when I did write in New York, my editor was like, "Ugh, you, this is so cliche. This is terrible. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't. And I was like, and she's like, you just write LA so beautifully. I'm like, I have no, like, I'm, I've never lived in it. I've spent a lot of time out there. I've never lived there. So I'm like, okay. Um, so she, I had to like cut all of that stuff out. Um, but it was, was hilarious, but I, I just love the idea and clearly Hallmark has kind of, you know, that small town romance, like the town is yes. a character. Yes. But I also think the city can be Absolutely. A and well. it is in a lot of shows, you know, a lot yeah. of shows. I, I always go to TV, but in a lot of books as well. Um, yeah. In, yeah. But I, I think people always talk about small town that way, but they never talk about the bigger city. Well, they should. I mean, I mean, Sex in the City, the city was the character. Right. There's another there's another show right. now called Uncoupled with um, and I always want to call him Doogie Hauser. 
that's how old, that's how old um, I am. Um, Barney, I, I yes, know Patrick Barney Harris. from How I Met Your Mother, and it's it's also in the city, and it the city plays like a huge role in it, and it's it's great. In the scene on TV, it it does because there's the whole city versus small town trope in there, like which is better, right? Or can they both be good? Does one being great? automatically make the other one not great because i feel like a lot of the hallmark movies do that oh the city is for workaholics you know you go to the small town when you actually want a life i mean i do <laughs> find that they that they're they do that they're very kind of mean about the big city and so my character has that also like oh the city that's why i can't you know that's why i was just ghosted on my date you know that's why i can't get you know, a pitch accepted because you know, there's too many people competing for the same stories you know, and this is why guys don't like me because there's a prettier girl who, you know, on the bar at the corner. And then she, so she thinks that, you know, you go to the small town with 20 people and you're automatically going to find the one single guy who just happens to be available and hot and looking for love or not, look, you know, or not looking for love until he meets you. Yeah, because this is what happens when you go to a small town. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which wouldn't that be hilarious if that's what happened? Oh I don't know. I wonder if it's like a pendulum swing because they do know like the sex in the city may did make new york seem so yes. appealing like there was something so magical about the new york that they lived in it no. wasn't the one that I know, we all that, lived in yes but it always bothered me because i was here the whole time and i'm like oh come yeah. on most people don't get invited to all these like restaurant openings and premieres and they don't wear cocktail dresses out to dinner every night like come on yeah, and it was also, you know, oh, oh, she writes for the New York Observer. How does she afford yes. all these things? Well, she did keep her sweaters in her oven. Like she had no closet space, so. <laughs> well, I think she just had too many clothes. Because oh, I remember being like, oh, her closet is yeah. massive. Yeah. Like, like, you just look at these things and you're like, and they were always out to eat. Always. They were always taking cabs. They never took the mm -hmm. subway. I was like, what's going on here? This does not reflect yes. my life. Yes, Carrie was that. on the back of a bus. But she never actually took the bus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think, I just, you know, and then, and then once that show was hot, then you had like the influx of people from Ohio. I, remember, I just remember being like, what is going on? And I blame that, I blame that show for, for that. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, my books tend to tell a more realistic portrayal of New York. And I, for the most part, I have picked New York because I live here and it's easy. But it's not, but I, right. I'm not glamorous. I don't always go to the trendiest, hippest places. And so a lot of the places that I pick, and I, and I use real places in my books, just especially when it's New York, because like there's so much to choose yeah. from. Why would I use a fake place? Unless it's a place that I'm making fun of or disparaging, then it right. will be fake. But otherwise, like I think people like to hear about real places and they want to, I have a friend who has a blog called Literary Dates. And she reads books set in New York and she takes herself on, you know, on like day trips based on a book that's set in New York. And she goes to all the places that that book mentions. And she, she wouldn't be able oh. to do that if the books use like fictitious places. That's such yeah. a fun idea. I love that. Yeah. It's a re that's it's really, really I, I've read some of them and I'm like, that is so fun. So what a great idea. Um, Oh God, I had a question and it just slipped in. And then it's that happens right all in. the time. Is it that New York? I know. 
Yeah, it was about New York, and I just like completely spaced what it what I was gonna ask you. So okay, um, maybe it'll maybe it'll come back into my head. I swear to God, when I get older, it's like yeah, same. Geez, you know, just kind of lose it. Um, but that's super cool. So okay, so you write places that are real. Oh, that now I remember what it was. Um, so I think that the reason why my editor did not like my book and was like it's so cliche was actually because I was writing New York as I saw it as kind of like, well, it was New York in August and it mm-hmm. smells bad. And I don't think that she like she also lived in New York, but I think that she had a more romantic notion oh. of it than I did. Which I thought was a little bit interesting, like because like I it was about how like New York smells, and it was also through my character's point of view, who was an LA girl that lived in New York or had moved to New York, and was miserable because it wasn't. Oh my LA. god, it sounds like it's perfect. She hated it. I just I wrote a hand. scene in my second book, or I just edited it because I'm in line edits now, and it's and she's walking to the city, and she talks about the smell of the city in July, and she says like waste and garbage and and like and cigarettes and then a combination of fried foods from you know the restaurant I mean because that's what it is it's yeah. not and that's yeah. I think that's when you know somebody's actually from New York I used to get annoyed when I read a book where it was all beautiful and everybody is falling in love and everybody because that's not New York either like you want you want some of that because you do want the magic of New York but unless that's what the book is really right. about it's just like come on like that's not right. it's not real there was a thing that I had in the book that actually had happened to me when I was walking home from work. It was like, I think it was like January or February. Right. And we had gotten a lot of snow. And so you had the snow piled up on the sidewalks. And so you had to like (laughs) maneuver, you know, when you're crossing the streets too, if nobody like, you know, whatever. So, and things were melting. And so the potholes had like lots of icy water collected. And at one point I was standing kind of on the curb edge waiting to cross and a van came by oh, going no. kind of fast, hit the pothole, water <laughs> shat up, uh, shat, shot up, <laughs> shat literally, and sh- literally shat all over me. I was soaked to the bone in that dirty, oh, nasty that, street that, write, water, freezing that, cold. That is, oh. I did. She hated it. I did. I wrote that. I wrote that in. And she's like, is she oh, your, so edit- is she your editor like, anymore? Because I don't want to say anything bad, but. I tried out a new one on my next book because I was so miserable with like the feedback because she was like, yeah, because I couldn't believe, and I was, and, yeah, it's so cliche. But that's not and cliche. Like, that's, that's actually, no. yeah, that's like the opposite. The cliche is like, oh, and the, the windows had like lights, light blue lights as everybody strolled arm in arm because <laughs> falling in love in New York and, you know, like, yeah. A cliche is Nora Ephron's yeah. New York, really. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, now I feel okay. Good. So I'm going to use that in another book. <laughs> you should, because I was so mad. I was like, I was like, don't you see? She's LA girl. She hates it. Like, nope, hated it. Anyway, it was so cliche. Um, <laughs> I feel better good, about you this should. now. Thank you. Um, so why don't we just like get into your okay. scene? Um, and because I, like I said, I was so I was I was so intrigued. Because usually what I'm reading is, if it's not quote-unquote sweet, which I know nobody likes that word, but for lack of a better term, you know, a romance with no Mm -hmm. steamy moments or um, close the door, I'm always reading hyper-hyper-steamy moments. And so there's a lot of talks about cocks and pussies and, you know, there's a lot (laughs) of slipping and sliding. 
there's a lot of wetness happening there. So, so with yours, it was a, it was a lot, it was really interesting to read and sort of like have, have the steam level high, but not have it be as Yes. Explicit. And that's what, that's kind of like my style. That's what I'm trying to keep doing. Cause that's what I'm comfortable writing. And I feel like it fits seamlessly into the rest of my books. My next book is a little bit steamier, but it's still on that same kind of like level, I would guess. Two eggplants, so, maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Last book, I got like three chili peppers. I was like, three, huh? Is that good or bad? I don't know. Um, so, for your next book, you said you're in line edits. Did you sell yes, a package it was a two deal? book deal? Oh, God. What's the second It's book called about? Someone Just Like You. And it's an enemy since childhood to lovers, opposite attract, forced mm. proximity rom com. Set in New- Those are like all my favorite. Set, groups, yeah, I really want to do enemies <laughs> to lovers. Set in Manhattan, and it's about Molly and Jude, who lived across the street from each other growing up, and like hated each other. And they would pull pranks on each other in a very not good naturedly way. And now in their 20s, they are forced together to plan a surprise co-anniversary party for their parents who are best friends. And they revert to their old tricks. And um, but they form a, like a grudging friendship after a while. But it's like ripe with sexual tension. Right. And then when they, they discover that they've both been dating a version of each other's doppelganger for like the past decade. And so they have oh to God. question why are they seeking in romantic partners what they claim to hate about each other? So, <laughs> oh my God! That's Thank amazing. you. I was inspired. There's an episode of Friends called "The One with Russ," and mm. I don't know if you ever watched Friends, but Rachel and Ross had broken up, and Rachel Russ that Rachel goes into the cafe one day with this guy named Russ, who looks exactly like Ross. His mannerisms are exactly like Ross. He talks like Ross, and the rest of the gang are like, "What?" the hell is happening here and of course russ and ross see each other they don't see it they don't notice it and like and it's like everybody realizes that he's like a doppelganger for ross who she thinks who she's saying she hates and she's totally over but here she is with his doppelganger and so i thank you it was something when i thought about it i was trying to up the wow factor in the first book the book that didn't sell we're like if we go for a second round Mm you know, let's maybe try to make it a bigger hook. And my agent was like, that's a really funny concept. She's like, I think that can probably stand on its own instead of trying to put that into this book. And, and I agreed with her. And so I used it for my second book and it was so much fun to write. Oh my God. So when's the public pub date on that? Do you have that? I'm pretty sure it's summer of 2023, but I don't have, yeah, I don't have a month or anything yet. Okay, but that's really awesome, and congratulations Thank on the two book deal. Oh my god, that's super exciting! All right, and we'll have a little bit more. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> but let me okay, okay. let let me start with this. Um, so this is um from, sorry, I'm just um as seen on TV, and where are we in? We are about thirty five percent in. Okay. Have they acknowledged their attraction yes, before this Yes, there moment? was a scene, a couple scenes earlier, where they're like flirting with each other and they're about to kiss and he gets a phone call because I had to put the interrupted kiss that you always get in Hallmark movies. 
<laughs> and she oh. even jokes about it. She's like, of course, finally something matches a Hallmark movie and it has to be an interrupted kiss when I'm about to kiss like a hot guy, you know? <laughs> Uh, um, oh, you know what I want to ask you too before we, I'm like, I keep saying we're going to do this and then I'm like, oh, one more thing. Um, do, this is in first person. Do you do dual point of view or is this strictly from This is strictly from her, from her POV. Oh, you like? I only do oh, good. single point of view too and I know yeah. it drives people crazy, but I am writing my books for women and about women and I think dual point of view is really I tried it with my third book that we'll be going out on option with and I sent it to my agent she's like I love all of it except his POV like his voice it wasn't great enough and the, I, I would and the, the only mm. reason I had it from his POV because I was going to make it that he loved her from the beginning you know people love that oh he loves okay. her and she doesn't know and we see him being such a cinnamon roll and everything but it just wasn't working so I'm like well if I'm not going to do that and his voice isn't really working as as his own POV I'm just going to get rid of it because I personally love, I love writing single POV because I don't always want my readers to know exactly what he's thinking. I want there to be some surprises. Yeah. I love reading both. I like writing, reading single POV. I love reading dual POV because for me, like as with the, as with the level of the steam, it's about the book. It's about the writing style, the voice, the characters, right. everything else. Right. I don't care if it's first person, present, first person, past, third person, you know, like it's, just, I, I love yeah. the book. I'll read the book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I can read first person. Like, I don't mind like what, you know, what point of view I'm reading in necessarily, but I, I do think I lean a bit more towards, you know, single point of view mm -hmm. rather than dual. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I just started writing single because so many of the books I read were and loved were single. And, um, and sometimes I would find when I'd be reading books with dual point of view, I would be, I would lose mm -hmm. whose point of view I was in. And, and also, yeah, and also, like, if you write single POV, you always have that option of doing, like, an epilogue or, like, a, a free thing for your newsletter mm. from the other one, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did in my, I think it was book fourth book, fourth book, I have an epilogue for the readers, um, you know, the bonus epilogue that comes through in the male character's point of view, which they, I'd never done that before at all. So it was kind of fun to do, but I was like, I don't think I can put this in the yeah. full book. Like I can't, I can't do a full book of his point of view, her point of view. I'd rather I would just say that my editor didn't say anything. She, she edits both, but it's not like she ever said, you know, maybe you should do, you know, both. Like nothing. So I think that if you like it better, your readers like it, do it. You know, you don't, you don't have do to it. do yeah. it. Yeah. So does that mean now you're, the next book is also single point of view and the one that you're working on beyond that is also single or are you, are you still I, right now uh, it's, I only wrote like a, like a hundred pages of it and an outline and it's all single. Okay. If my editor came okay. back and said, we only want this if it's dual, I would do it. But it just, the, right. maybe that's my thing, single. Plenty of, plenty of people write that okay. way, you know? Plenty of people do. Yeah. I'm one, so uh, it's nice to, it, I know, like the, <laughs> at least there are two of us out there. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes I feel like the pendulum is now on that dual point of view, right? Like that seems to be where the pendulum is, but I can't quite move myself there. <laughs> You just can't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. So Addie has had a bad day. She shows up. Where where is she? She's she's at the B and B. She is a, she's a, yeah. The B and B. Okay. 
And is it his B&B? Like, no. how are they? They're both Why yes, is he there? Because he works for the real estate okay. developer that she had hoped to bring down. And he's staying at the B&B while, while he's there on business. Got it. And their, and their it. meet oh cute God, is that she is assumes he's this, like the token single guy. And so when she discovers that he, who, that who he is, that he's not a local, he's like, why would I be in the B&B if I was a local? You know, and she's like, I don't know. I watch too many Hallmark movies. You know, like, <laughs> oh my God, this is fantastic. I love this so much. Okay. Um, I knocked twice and waited. Please be here. I had my hand poised to knock again when the door opened. Finn grinned. Hi there. His face dropped. What's wrong? Things didn't go well at your last stop. I pushed my way into his room. I don't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk at all. How can I help? When I turned around, he was right there in front of me, close enough to kiss, too close not to kiss. So I did. If he was surprised, he recovered quickly, confirming he wanted this too. My hands clutched the front of his sweater and my feet lifted off the ground when he wrapped both his arms around my waist. His beard scratched against my cheeks. His mouth was warm and wet and I sighed into it. He slipped his hand under my sweater and rubbed my back. It felt so good and exactly what I needed. I didn't want to think about my disaster of a day, disaster of a trip. And then he pulled away. Why? I placed small pecks on his lips. Are you not? I tugged on the zipper of his jeans, kissing me. I didn't know him well enough to be so bold, but the unfamiliarity made me braver. Besides, it was obvious he was into it, at least from a biological standpoint. Then I realized consent went both ways and dropped my hands. I'm sorry, did you not want to? I thought I avoided eye contact as if my not looking at him meant he couldn't see how embarrassed I was for completely misreading the situation. I loved how you included the consent in this. And it was on his part. Like her being like, oh crap, I didn't like like I might be doing something he really doesn't want to do. And we never like we don't see that when we see consent, it's always her, you know, him saying, yeah. Are you down with this? And her being like, Yes. And you know, so I kind of liked that again, like Thank that you. flip. You're so good <laughs> at doing the flip. And I mean and I liked how she was not awkward, right? Because like this is their kind of first time and there is no awkwardness here really. I mean, except in the moment where she's like, Oh crap. I didn't ask if this was okay. Yeah, she, I just went for it. She really does um, own her sexuality, which a bunch of people have said, you know, in, in reviews that they like that. So I was happy. Yeah, I do too. I do too. There was absolutely no tentative, no tentativeness in her when she's like, just like, I've had a bad day. And I need this. And I was like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yes. And they, and they had this learning a lot. And he did tell her he liked her, you know, in an earlier scene. So it wasn't like she just knocked on some random dude's door and was like, fuck me, you know, at all. <laughs> but even then, yeah, I think that's fine. fine too. <laughs> <laughs> even then, that's okay. Um, because... I mean, it might not, might not be the safest thing in the world, but I mean, like, if that's what you want to do, like, all right, have a good time. Um, you know, I was just like, basically, like when I read this, I was cheering. I actually just wrote an essay for um, 
an anthology uh, that's going to be donating money for um, it's it's basically in response to Roe v. Wade. And, and I wrote about that because one of the most frustrating things for me was sort of seeing, well, what about, you know, the, the what about sort of, well, what about rape victims? What about incest victims? And not to say that we should not be thinking about them because obviously, yes, oh my God, yes, we should be. But there was a real erasure mm-hmm. of women's pleasure in the conversation that was really bugging me. It was like, well, women can't have sex for pleasure. And if they are impregnated, well, then they kind of maybe deserve to like have that pregnancy. Right. Like that was sort of like what I was sort of like that. There was like that little bit of ickiness there when people started that sort of like, well, what about the situation? That should be all situations. Um, It should be all situations. And I don't think, and, and so I was, and so it's like really funny that I was like reading this now when I like literally just wrote about that for this compilation, um, because it was something that was really been heavy on my mind about how women are just not Mm -hmm. allowed to have pleasure. Or there are, there are consequences for it. Or there are consequences, like, yes, like the pregnancy is a consequence Mm -hmm. for your pleasure. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, and and that doesn't sit well with me. And I think that we need more, and I'm guilty of not writing this myself in my own books. I think that we need more of that almost sex for sex sake, because it feels good, rather than I'm doing this because I'm falling. I agree with you. And I'll be completely honest. You're giving me a little bit more credit because I actually did not put all that much thought into it, like I was just writing it, and it was after I wrote it that I kind of, you know, realized all these things. I'm still giving you all the credit because it was sitting there somewhere in your head. You just yeah. maybe weren't conscious of it. <laughs> because I am convinced that it was sitting there somewhere in your head. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, and, and I, because we, we do, we, that, we have mm-hmm. sex like that. We have sex like that. I've, I haven't, you know, I mean, I've had. Yeah. And why do our like characters have to pretend to, you know, and like, why should it matter? Men are hooking up all the time in these books. Oh, he's such a player until he met you. Like, why can't you? And not even, and why do you have to be called a player for it? If if both parties are game and it's safe and there's consent, then it shouldn't matter what either of their motivations are. Yeah. Yeah. Like my most hated word is slot. Like, especially, you know, um, I've used it once in my books. There was a point to it. Um, but the, you know, the, the calling of, an, like, a, of a woman who is having sex for pleasure and that sort of call out as slut, like, just, you know, it's owned and I know. I, it, and some, some of the reasons, like my older books, I don't know if I was as aware. They're, they're much older, and I don't know if I... I don't know. Like I won't go back and read them because I think I was a different person. And I don't know if I realized some of the things that I might've been saying just for, because yeah. back when I was reading like chiclet, like that's what we were calling people like sluts, I guess, in, in those books. And that's what I guess I was yeah. raised on. And it wasn't until I kind of sat back and yeah. like kind of thought about like, what are you doing? And like, why, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was raised on that word. I mean, that word was like, you know, anytime you want to say something derogatory about a woman or a girl, Mm -hmm. you'd use the word slut. You know, I mean, that was sort of like that. And, and yeah, I mean, like that's to sort of like get that out of your, you know, your lexicon is, you know, like that's, that's a thing. Like that's a real thing, you know? So anyway, I, but anyway, that's, I'm, we're, we are on such a tangent, but it's great. Um, because, (laughs) 
<laughs> but like, um, but yeah, I was totally cheering this scene because I was like, yes, yes, yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep reading. You're very good at this. I'm going to keep going. Okay. I mean, you are a podcast. Oh, well, so thank again, you. It's I not try. surprising that you have a great voice for this, though. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I try. I try. Okay. Um, jumping down a little bit. This is long, everyone, so buckle in. How do you do that? I asked before lifting my, before lifting my shirt over my head. Another bold move, but I was on a roll. Do what he asked pulling my top all the way off and placing it gently on the rocking chair like it was an original Oscar de la, Ren de la Renta and not $20 from Forever 21. <laughs> I totally got a chuckle on that. Look at me like you've known me forever. It's just the way I look at you. You're in his thumb along my wrist bone, making me shiver. Do you want me to stop? Please don't stop. I placed, I placed his hand on the lace trim of my bra. Any of it. His eyes crinkled at the corners. I like you, Adina. The feeling was mutual. Pleasant Hollow had disenchanted me at every turn with one exception, and he was standing before me. Eventually, I would need to face the reality of my situation and come up with a plan. But right now, I wanted to lose myself in Finn, or rather, let him lose himself in me. I shimmied out of my jeans. No more talking. I kissed him again, and our mouths and tongues explored while I frantically helped him remove his shirt. When my hands grabbed onto bare skin instead of cotton, I pulled away to take in the sight and gulped. Wow. Just wow. I could practically feel my eyes dilating. He had a swimmer's lean muscle tone and a smooth chest with just a line of black hair leading from his navel downward. I stroked it with my finger like I'd been dying to do since his shirt rose up at Brothers. Just so you know, you said that out loud, too. He cupped one of my breasts with one hand and unclipped my bra with the other until we were skin to skin. My nipples hardened upon contact with his broad chest. I pushed him on the bed and straddled him. No more talking. Except he was still wearing pants. I unbuckled his jeans and peeled them off his legs until he wore nothing but black Calvin Klein boxer briefs. It was my favorite male underwear as long as the guy had the goods to pull it off. Finn had the goods. I climbed off him. Flip over. You're sexy when you're bossy. He slapped my ass and did as told. You take direction well, I said to his back. I slowly pulled the fabric away from his skin, gasped, and let it snap back. Oh, yes. He had the goods. Just as I thought, your ass is perfect. I climbed off of him. You can turn around now. He swung around and regarded, regarded me with hooded eyes. I like a woman who takes charge. <laughs> that moment i loved how she was so direct <laughs> and she was like need to look at the ass please turn around she was really horny <laughs> i know <laughs> and i mean i i kind of liked it though that she was like she stopped because she was like i need to look at the butt like she could have just like kept going right and like <laughs> And just be like, okay. Um, and then it was, but no, she was like, I need to look at the ass. And I was like, okay, go, go look at that ass. It was great. It was Thank really you. great. Okay. Um, jumping down a little bit more. He kissed me before I, could, before I could complete the sentence. We kissed until my lips were swollen and the rest of my body begged for attention. Then finally... Finn scooted down the bed and spread my legs apart. My imagination, with respect to how his beard would feel between my thighs, couldn't compete with the real thing. His tongue, my God, I bucked against him, pleading for more. Finn, he applied more pressure. Somehow he instinctively knew what I wanted before I even asked. Yes, 
just like that. Oh God, I was so close. I fisted the sheets and lifted my pelvis off the mattress. Condom, please, my body screamed for release. You sure? His breath tickled my most sensitive spot. Because I can finish. You can. I can't, I panted. Mouth play could get me right to the edge, but I needed more, bigger, harder, thrusting to cross to the other side. I'm sorry. He jumped out of bed and over to his dresser. Sorry for what? Telling me what you want? Returning with a condom, he said, never be sorry for that. Who are you? I put my hand up. I know I said it out loud. I know I said it out loud again. He grinned before climbing into the bed with me. My name is Finn Adams, and I'd like to fuck you now. Is that okay? Yes, please. He slid inside me agonizingly slow, entering only part of the way and back again over and over torturously until I was begging for more. I tightened my legs around his hips and pushed him deeper. The mattress squeaked with our movements. Soon I was panting and we were both slick with sweat. We came together loudly and I hoped Finn was right about being the only guest at the B&B. Then while the ice cream I, I, brought, I bought him melted into liquid sugar, we did it again. We've probably fucked for the duration of at least one Hallmark movie, including commercials. And it was way better than okay. <laughs> Love that callback to Hallmark there. <laughs> that too. Um, there was such, there, you kicked, like, I thought that there was such a sensual thing going on here. And then you moved in to the condoms, but it didn't take me out of that sensuality. You know, and I was like, yeah, we can write these things into the scene. We can write consent. We can write condoms into the scenes and it won't detract from it. And I was like, well done. I was like, that's really great. I'm glad. It works so that's well. Like, that to me is like harder for me because again, I'm not somebody who like loves writing like sex scenes and who's, you know, writes really, really steamy ones. So it's, you know, I was wondering how, I knew it was kind of like in the middle. It's not fade to black. It's not really graphic. And I didn't know how it would go over well. Like I didn't know if there was room for like this kind of middle. And I think that there is, you know, it's so funny because on TikTok, I've been seeing more writers talk about, I write medium steam and, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's right. Cause I don't quite know what medium steam is. And I think some of them are calling it close the door. How is that medium me, steam if really the door is closed? Steam. Yeah, I know. I think that's steam light. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think because it's not sweet, but it's certainly not, you know, hyper steamy. But I feel like you I feel like this is medium steam. Like, I feel like you've kind of hit this this really great middle ground of like you've given me just enough of the graphic of the of the moment that I do enjoy reading. But it's not so graphic where you're a little like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm going to close my eyes for a minute. <laughs> You know, because even while I'm writing some, and I write pretty heavy steam moments, and even then for myself, I'm like, oh, did I just really write that? I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my, my book before this, I the one that didn't sell, I, I it ended up that I kept writing the sex scenes in the cafeteria at lunch in my office. It just, I didn't do it on purpose, but it, I would write during lunch and it always seemed to be that I was in the middle of a sex scene. And it's just, and I would like look around like, oh my God, what am I, this is so uncomfortable like writing this now in the cafeteria where there's partners yeah. and, you know, looking over my shoulder. That's hilarious. Well, you know what? I'm always <laughs> like, you mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> serves you, serves you right for looking. Yeah. <laughs> I also really appreciated that you wrote, like they're having oral sex and that you wrote that she couldn't climax that way. 
And I was like, yeah, cool. Because I think that like, what the thing, whatever revs our motors, like looks Mm -hmm. so different for everyone. And so it's always, and, and again, like, I feel like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm doing this well, but I'm seeing it like you and, and I've had other writers on too, where I'm just like, I like, I think that's brilliant. Like you're showing a side of sex that is real and actually does happen. And not everybody is going to come with penetration. Not everybody is going to, you know, finish. Not everybody. Like, and I think that these are important And I also think that like, I think sometimes it's also a trust thing, you know, and, and that, and in my, in this case, yes. it's kind of a spoiler, but later on in the book, when they know each other and they trust each other, he like tries and he succeeds. And maybe some people would think that's cliche, you know, but I, you know, and, and that, and that was how I kind of made my sex scenes different in the book. And there aren't that many of them, but they all happen at different stages of their relationship. And because of based on where they are in their relationship and their feelings for each other, I changed how things like went down and what's going on in their heads and things like that. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's the sex is in the book is really in service to the story. You know, I, I sort of, you know, I know I get, I read high heat levels, but I get really frustrated when it's like, they're yeah, just or like when you feel like you could scene. take that sex scene and plug it into any book. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just like, it doesn't need to be there. And sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe I have two, maybe three, <laughs> if you really lucky, I'll write four, you know, into my books, but like, I don't, and I always go, well, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know, you know, because I do want to be in service to the reader as well. But like those moments are are not there for a reason yeah. because the characters aren't ready. Or, you know, or I just need to close the door because yeah. we've already had that intimate moment between them before yeah. and I don't really want to repeat it exactly. because there's nothing new that's coming Yeah, there are other scenes the where like they'll wake up in the morning and they'll like look at each other and they'll do it. But like I don't have to go through if it doesn't really, if it's not needed for the story, you don't always have to go through the entire scene. I think sometimes you, it can just be implied, you know, that you, that then we did it again. Right. You don't have to go through all the details. I really think it does. It depends on where you are in the story and whether you really need that extra scene or not. Right. I mean, do you think you would ever write? I, I'm thinking about it a little bit more for my third book. I really think it depends on my third book. Um, it's just, it's a friends to lovers. And I don't know if this will ever see the the light of day. I hope so. And I do think, and the characters are very different. And I do think that I might have their sex scene a little bit more graphic. I think it might fit the story better, at least for the first sex scene, but I don't know. It really, it'll happen when I get there, but I, it's like a muscle. And the more I write them, the more comfortable I am with them. And like, I do, I feel that from the first book to the second. So what do you think the resistance is in terms of your comfort level with it? I'm just always kind of, kind of curious because it's, it's hard for me to write. I don't know. I just, I kind of get all cringy on myself when I, when I start like doing like details. I don't know. I think that's what it is. That's so funny. Sometimes I'm like, I think, I think like my mom is like (laughs) on my shoulder and she's like, what are you doing? That's yeah. That's another (laughs) one. What? What are you writing? My dad reads my books. And I, think, I, I think that's more uncomfortable. Than oh! my he doesn't care. He's not, you know, but it's just like my dad. It's just weird, you know? 
<laughs> I, that is weird. I'm like, oh, my family's like, should I read your book? I'm like, no, you don't have to. I appreciate your support. And I want Please mine too, but I'm like, book. but you can skip chapter, you know, the pages. But also because mine are not really, really steamy, it doesn't yet, like it doesn't bother me too much. And they know I'm a grown woman. Right. You know, so. I know. I know, no, but it's it, it so is. If weird. Think, just don't think about it too hard. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's still kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> so, Meredith, where do you like to hang out on the internet? Where's the? Best I would say Instagram is one, and um, it's my name, okay. just Meredith Shore. And yes, and, that's and same thing at Twitter. I would say Instagram is it. Cool. And I will have, I will have links to uh, the Twitter, Instagram, and also your website in the show notes. Um, I think everybody needs to check out this book um, because like I said, I am completely <laughs> obsessed with it. <laughs> I think it's awesome as seen on TV. Um, and yeah, Meredith, thank you so it's much. Been for really, really it's been really, really fun. fun. Thank you so you. much for having me. That was awesome. I loved chatting with Meredith and I hope you enjoyed listening. It was so great to sort of be back in New York with somebody. That was super fun um, for me since it's been a minute since I've lived there. Anyway, next time Kelly Olert is on the Steam Seed, so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Until then, stay steamy.